And let's turn in our Bibles today to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to read from verses 1 through 11. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's hear the word of God. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And though the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We'll end the reading there at verse 11. And we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text this morning is taken not from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 that we've read together, but from the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. And this is what it says. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheath. My theme today that I've entitled is this, Beholding the Shining Star and the Sovereign Scepter. 
Listen to the text again, if you found it now. Numbers 24, verse 17. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not now. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheath. Now let me put the text in its historical context. The children of Israel had left the land of Egypt. They're en route to the promised land. The wilderness wanderings of almost 40 years are now over. The children of Israel are on the eastern side of the Dead Sea. They're soon going to cross the Jordan. They're going to take Jericho. Jericho is in their sights. And en route to Jericho, they destroyed the land of the Canaanites. Numbers chapter 21, verses 1 to 3. When they were denied right of passage through the territory of the Ammonites, they defeated the Ammonites, captured their king Sihon, put him to death, and occupied his land. Next, they fought against the army of Og, king of Bashan, and they won. They left no survivors. They took possession of his land. Now, when news of these victories came into the ears of King Balak, he was king of Moab. He was quaking in his boots. He was disturbed. He felt threatened. He didn't have a big army like Og had. And even if he had, the armies of Og was defeated. So he thought to himself, how can I defeat these Israelites. He simply couldn't let the children of Israel write of passage through his land because he believed that they have come to take it over anyway. So he hatched a plan. Here's what I'll do. Here's the best way to defeat these Israelites. He hired a false prophet. And that false prophet was by the name of Balaam. And if you look at Numbers chapter 22 and in the verse 6 we read, Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land. For I would that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou curses is cursed. Now, where did Balaam come from? What type of character was I? Was he a Jew? Was he one of the prophets of Israel? If you turn over there to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 4, you'll get the answer to my question of where you come from. Now, this is significant. You'll want to know this. This is very important because it ties into Matthew chapter 2 that we've read. It says in Deuteronomy 23 verse 4, because they met you not with bread and water in the way when ye came forth out of Egypt and because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Where did Balaam come from? Balaam come from Mesopotamia. He was the son of Beor, of a place called Bethor. And, and that was in the land of Mesopotamia. And Mesopotamia means the land between the rivers or the land in the midst of the rivers. And you've got to ask yourself, well, 
If that's what Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia means, which rivers are we talking about? And we're, of course, we're talking about the river Euphrates, and we're talking about the river Tigris. So if you look at an old map, you'll see Mesopotamia. But you look at a new map, and you'll see the land of Iraq. So where did Balaam come from? He come from Mesopotamia, which is now modern-day Iraq. Balaam came from the east. He was noted to be a wise man who could bless people. And if he said, be blessed, you were blessed. But if he cursed you, you hadn't a hope of being blessed. And that's why Balak, king of Moab, hired him with money. It's interesting, it's unique. Because Balaam, who came from the east, ties into the coming of the wise men from the east centuries later. The east was the land of Mesopotamia. It's the same area. Balak hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel, and he tried. He found out that he could not. Instead of cursing, he ended up blessing them. He tried three times, and every time he opened his mouth to curse, he blessed them. Now, the words of our text, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, they come at the end of a dialogue between Balak and Balaam. You see, Balak was cross with Balaam. I hired you to curse them. And three times you've tried and you haven't cursed them yet. I believe Balaam really had almost forgotten why he'd been hired to curse the Israelites. As I've said, every time he opened his mouth to curse, the Holy Ghost controlled his mouth. God had put a word in his mouth. Balaam was going to speak the truth. And in the midst of his prophecy, towards the end of the dialogue, this is what he said, and I read verse 17 again for the third time. I shall see him, but not nigh. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheath. Balaam, although he was a false prophet, and Balaam is a shining example of what an old apostate looks like, he uttered some of the most beautiful prophetic descriptions of our Lord Jesus Christ that ever came forth out of the mouth of even some of the most holiest, godliest evangelical prophets of the Old Testament. It's sad that Balaam sold himself as a servant of sin for money. It was sad he was a false prophet, but when he tried to curse, he could only bless. And this is what he said at the end of the dialogue. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheath. Behold the shining star and the sovereign scepter that Balaam, the false prophet, spoke about. Now, I want us to think of three things this morning. Oh, right? Think firstly of the identity of the shining star. Look at our text. It says, There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. Now, you see, the star, I believe, is identified as the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what we read in the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew chapter 2, 
It says, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. A star out of Jacob is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. The star that we spoke to about the children is a reference to his star. Historically, commentators have said it refers to David and the Davidic kingdom. When David and the Davidic kingdom defeated all the nations around him, nations that he conquered, and that is true historically, but also prophetically, it ultimately applies to the Lord Jesus Christ. In the prophecy, there's a present, and in prophecy, there's a future. And a greater than David would come. King David's uh, greater son is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is ultimately a prophecy about Christ coming into the world. His first coming, a star shall come out of Jacob, and also his second coming. And here's Balaam depicting the Lord Jesus Christ as one of the heavenly bodies. A star shall come out of Jacob. You see, remember the Lord Jesus is called by different names, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God. But he's also called here a star. If you turn over there to the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. See, how do I know that a star out of Jacob's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately and prophetically and literally and historically? Listen to these words. Revelation 22 verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Now listen to these words. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Do you know what he's saying? I am the bright and the morning star. And if you also link that up with the words in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, Peter says this, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Well, the day star is a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. So all of these references, young people, boys and girls, are a reference to our Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Bible was saying to us, a star out of Jacob from the mouth of Balaam, that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, as I've taught you from Matthew chapter 2, I read it to you this morning, the wise men followed his star, and they still do. And it was interesting, it was his star. It was a great star, a unique star, a special star. And the Lord Jesus stands head and shoulders above all the heavenly bodies, above the stars in the sky, above the sun and above the moon. Do you know him? Do you understand that he's the star out of Jacob? Wise men followed him. Do you follow Christ? You'll only follow Christ if you're born again of the Holy Spirit and washed in the precious blood. And you've come to him and called upon him. Uh, God be merciful to me, the, the, the uh, sinner. It's wonderful to realize when we think of the identity of this shining star that the Lord Jesus is the great fulfillment of this prophecy from the mouth of the false prophet Balaam. Now I want you to think secondly 
Not only the identity of the morning star, but think of the ministry of the shining star. You see, the star, I believe, is a reference to the heavenly glory. The stars far away. The stars, if we go out into the night and look up into the sky, they're light years away. That man who came out of his house in Goldberg in 1353, he looked up into the sky and the the stars were far away, light years away. But they were bright, they were shining, they were twinkling. And he was thinking about the star of Jacob. He was thinking about Christ as the bright and morning star. And of course, the Lord Jesus is that. Remember over in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1 and in the verse uh, 3, the apostle Paul, who was writing to encourage the Hebrew Christians, uh, said this about the Lord Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down in the right hand of the majesty on high. So the stars are far away but they're still shining and twinkling. The stars, of course, are seen primarily at night. The stars are only seen at night. So in a sense, the darkness is essential to the viewing of their light. And here's a star, we're told, out of where? Out of Jacob. Now, underline the word Jacob. Because Jacob as an individual, is in need. And Jacob, of course, is synonymous with the land of Israel. It's a representation of the whole land and its people. And that land's in darkness, in darkness of sin, and in the grip of Satan. And what does it need? It needs the day star to arise. It needs the day star to shine forth its light. You think of the principal sins of our day, drunkenness, lying, stealing, adultery, homosexuality, jealousy, no fear of God, no thought of God, a turning away from God, hating God. And then all of a sudden, this individual, man, woman, young person, and something happens in their life. It's as if somebody switches on the light and they see that light and they behold it. It's as if the day star has arisen, as if he had come and revealed himself unto them. You see, the stars appear at night and and give off their light. And it's a powerful picture of the gospel. Because Christ, as the gospel star, shines forth the glories of God. The Bible talks about we beheld his glory. And the Lord Jesus came from afar. He came from glory. Even though glory is far away and we don't know how how far away. He came from glory to radiate the true light into a world of darkness. People that sat in darkness, the Bible tells us, have seen a great light. And who is that light? It's Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world. In fact, in John's gospel, we read in uh, John uh, chapter uh, 1, something tremendous about the Lord Jesus. This will be a Bible reading tonight. In John chapter 1, we read these words. He said there in John 1 and verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. 
Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That light is seen. That light becomes a felt reality. That light brings hope. That that light heals. That light saves. You can just imagine the man in Goldberg thinking, I'm the only survivor of the Black Plague. And whenever he put his his foot out onto the the, um, village street and began to sing and walk up and down, then another candle light appeared or an oil light appeared. And then all of a sudden there was others who came and joined him. Do you know the star that led the wise men to the house where the Lord Jesus was. That star, when they first saw it in the east, in the land of Mesopotamia, signaled the birth of Christ. And they followed his star. They began a search because of that star. They came asking, where is he that is born king of the Jews? The star drew the wise men to where Christ is, that star of heavenly glory. And that star directs us to Christ himself. Remember what the Apostle Paul could say there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 4 to 6. He said this, Whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose the image of God should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Remember God said in the beginning, let there be light. What did he do now? Have shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, he commanded the day star to arise and reveal its light unto us. That light that would save and give hope and healing and bring blessing into our midst. The star led the men to the Savior. A star out of Jacob. I'll tell you something else here in the ministry of the the, the shining star. The star came out of the midst of Jacob. Do you know the star's an emblem of hope? What does the star at the night signal? Does it not signal the coming of the day? Remember we called Jesus, I am the bright in the morning star? Revelation 22 verse 16. You see, the stars are foretelling the sun that's on its way. The sun's going to come and dispel the darkness of the night. The sun's going to come and arise and gladden the earth. A better day is coming. A better day is going to dawn for the individual, for the people. That's what that little man in Goldberg discovered that night. And the 25 that gathered around him, they were looking for the sun of righteousness to come. And the Bible tells us we have a more sure word of prophecy. 2 Peter 1.19, I've already read. I shall see him. I shall behold him. There's a present. There's a, a future prospect here. And that star out of Jacob is wonderfully fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. Let me tell you something else quickly. The star has light in itself. The light of the star comes from within itself. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1 and 5, God is light and him is no darkness at all. That's the essence of God. God is light. It defines him. And the Lord Jesus, we're told, in him was life. And the life was what? The light of men. Isn't that tremendous? True light only resides in God. Only God can bring divine light to souls who sit in darkness. 
Souls who are in despair. Souls in the grip and depth of depravity. And if you this morning are in despair, if you're in darkness, whatever your situation or station is, if you're in the grip of sin and depravity, then there's only one that can bring you freedom. Only one that can bring you help and hope. And that is the star out of Jacob. That's his ministry. That's why he came out of Jacob. I want you to think of this thirdly. The reality of the shining star. Tomorrow's Christmas Day. And what is Christmas all about? Well, you see, many people focus on this. The baby in the manger. And of course, the baby in the manger, I believe. It's a vital part of the Christmas story. It's a great truth of the gospel. But who is the baby? Why is he in a manger? These are questions that you have to ask and you have to answer. Because there's so much more to the baby in the manger. Because if you believe the baby in the manger is God incarnate, that means the doctrine of the incarnation. If you believe in the incarnation, then you've got to also believe in the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. We sing these beautiful carols. We listen to these readings. And yet there's so much sentimentality about it this time of the year. It's as if the great truth has been lost to so many. It's as if truth and light has lost its value, lost its spiritual power. So much sentimentality on silly things. And I said in homes yesterday, you know, Christmas is not about the tinsel or about the tree, or about the turkey, or even about the toys. It's all about this truth. The baby in the manger was God incarnate. The baby in the manger was virgin born of Mary. And that baby was sinless, and that baby was born to die, and born to be our Savior. And a star out of Jacob leads us to that light, and brings us to that hope. You know, I I believe this morning, very sadly, that There's a great crisis facing the church of Jesus Christ in Northern Ireland. We we live in a day of deepening and darkening apostasy. And let me just explain this, if I can, in a little manner. Who uttered these words? I've already told you. It was Balaam. What was Balaam? He was a false prophet. Where was he from? The land of Mesopotamia. He was a wise man from the east. But he was a false prophet. And this prophecy came from his lips. Now this prophecy, this prophet could say terrible things. He could curse people. This prophet could say truthful things. He could bless people. But no matter whether he cursed or whether he blessed, his heart wasn't in it. You see, Balaam, I believe, was a great example of a man who sold himself in the service of sin. He was hired to preach, hired to curse, hired to bless. He knew how to do good. And yet he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He lived for earthly gain. He was the worst kind of a preacher. Because he was really denying the truth. You see, true Bible-believing Christianity goes a long way beyond our lips. And it's easy to say things, isn't it? It's easy to speak. But do we really mean it? Is our hearts in it? When we say Merry Christmas, do we really mean it? What do we mean when we say Merry Christmas? 
You know, over there, if you turn over to Matthew's gospel, uh, Matthew chapter uh, 15, and remember the Lord Jesus said this, verse 7, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, verse 8, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Think of a people drawing near to God with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. A people who know exactly the truth about Christ. They speak the truth. They might even speak of personal experience. They might even speak in such profound and glowing terms. And yet, they have no heart knowledge of Christ. They have no heart enlightenment. All that they say is, while it's true, it comes from a heart that's false and rotten. How do I know? It's no impact upon their life. There's no turning from sin. There's no true regeneration. There's no true repentance. There's nothing that's real and genuine. They're as evil as Balaam is. They're as damned as Balaam is. It's a religion of lips. Therefore, it's closing churches. It's a religion of apostasy. And it's doing great impact and harm in the land. I was in a home during the week This past I was told in that home Of two more Methodist churches closing And that saddened me greatly I, I was disturbed by such news Because I have no pleasure In hearing churches that are closed Churches are closing I think of the words Ere the lights go out And sadly one of them's down there In the Armour Road In Balnify Why? Nobody wants to come to church today. We've got no funds to run the building. But what about the preaching of the gospel? You see, if there's a false preacher who's saying nice, sentimental little things and tickling people's ears and maybe even saying out of personal experience and, and, and saying things that are, are, are profound and glowing terms but, but have no heart in them, no depth in reality. That's why this land needs the gospel. That's why it needs gospel, light and truth. And this time of the year, we sing these lovely old hymns. We have the Bible reading. We talk much about Merry Christmas and yet it never goes deeper than that. It never has a profound impact on people's lives. They don't know him better. They don't know him in a greater way. It has no impact in their life. It doesn't make them a better father, a better mother, or a better young person, a better wife, a better husband, a better child. Where's the truth? The truth is found in this. The reality of the shining star. Not only his identity, not only his ministry, but the reality of it. Because that star has life in itself. That star has light in itself. That star has been sent to light the world. And of course, I love the words of John 1 and 14. It says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of the Son, the Sovereign, the Servant, the glory of the Savior. You see, and the question is this, do I know him? If he has come as God manifest in human flesh, if God has come and entered into our dark, sinful world, and he has come as the star with light to bring health and hope, as the day star, as the morning star, if he has presented himself as 
heavenly glory, then do I know him? See, that's the key question. Do I love him? Am I, am I willing to let his light change me? Notice also here not only something of the glory of Christ and the deity of Christ, but also of the humanity of Christ. It's all here in these words. Out of Jacob, the eternal son of God, yet born a man. He came out of Jacob. That's his human lineage. Micah 5 and 2, he used to be born in Bethlehem. Galatians 4 and 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Here's the manhood of Jacob. The manhood of the Lord Jesus. The star come out of Jacob. Think of this as we finish the reference to Jacob. Jacob was a, a twister. He was a mean-spirited man. He was selfish, full of deceit. He was full of guile. And yet, amazingly, the Lord saved him. And the Lord changed him. And the Lord transformed him. Jacob experienced the sovereign grace of God. And by sovereign grace and love, God made him a prince with God. Jacob the sinner associated with Jesus the star, the star of Bethlehem. See, I say this in finishing. The Lord Jesus is the savior of real sinners. The Lord of glory identifying with one of the vilest of vile in the Old Testament. Do you see yourself as a sinner? Are you associated with Jesus, the shining star? See, he came in mercy to dispel the darkness, to deal with our depravity, to destroy the works of the devil. And that star led the wise men to the house where Jesus was. And that star will lead you to where Jesus is. It'll lead you to the cross. It'll lead you to the tomb. It'll lead you to the throne room in heaven. And I ask this, if you bent the knee, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in him? Remember what we read there in 1 John and in chapter 1 and verses 7 to 9. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The day star has already come. He come 2,000 years ago. But I want to ask, what impact has the son of righteousness, the star of Jacob, come into your life, the shining star, his identity, his ministry, but it's reality. Do you know anything of that reality? We could talk about the scepter of righteousness, which is a sovereign scepter. Christ ruling the church as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Christ ruling the country. Christ ruling the planet. Do you know that providentially in sovereignty, God through our Lord Jesus Christ Sovereignly controls all the affairs of this world. As I've already told you, and I finish with this, the star in the night is an emblem of hope. It signals what? The coming of the day. The star foretells the sun. It's on its way. A new day's dawn. And when he comes, he comes with a sovereign scepter in his hand. And this ties into his second coming. But he'll come forth and dash in pieces his enemies. He'll deal with Antichrist and the man of sin and every other enemy 
that he faces. I finish with this because over in the book of Numbers, we read there in chapter 24, and if you look with me in Numbers chapter 24, you'll see in verse 19, which is just the verse on from our text this morning, Numbers chapter 24 and verse 19. And what does it say there? It says this, listen to the word of God. Numbers 24 and 19. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. Think of the word dominion. It speaks of power. You see, following the gospel glory will come the glory of the full revelation of Jesus Christ. And I trust this morning, as we think of this Christmas Eve, and think about the star out of Jacob, we'll realize that we need to be like the wise men and we let the star lead us to the light. The Lord bless you today. We're going to sing in closing.